Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. How awesome is God? So good to see you here this morning. I'm so excited that you could make it. Um, I'm, I'm, I just love the church. I'm passionate about the church uh, worldwide, not just this congregation, although I am extra passionate about you. But I just love church, and I love uh, attending church, and I love being the church. That's an even bigger revelation that, that, uh, that we are the body of Christ. We are the church. And everywhere I go in the world, I try to make it to church. Uh, so if, if we're on holidays or, you know, wherever I go, sometimes I get to speak at other churches. It's just always a joy to meet other believers all, all around the planet. And I've preached on every continent except Antarctica, and I'm still working on that one. Uh, but uh, usually you got to go down there for about a year. Uh, it's not like, oh, let's go for a day and come back. Now nah, you're, there, you're there for about a year. So I've been weighing up the cost on that so far. The cost is too high to go and freeze myself down there, but, uh, but I'd love to preach there. But every continent on the planet, every church that I've ever attended, I've been wowed by the people that I've met. We just have such an amazing family around this world, and, and everywhere we worship differently. In Africa, uh, wow, you know, the worship is totally different than it is in England. Uh, in, in South America, where I, I spent about a month in Brazil, uh, preaching and, and visiting different churches, and such passion. And, and the food afterwards, you know, barbecue was invented in Brazil, so they say. And, uh, you know, an amazing, amazing place with culture and that type of thing. And then I think about Pakistan, and uh, the Pakistani food is different than Indian food and some variations there, but the worship is also different. And, and the people, absolutely amazing on the subcontinent. But the church is still the church. And there's one person that always attends, no matter where I go, I can always count on him showing up, and that's, of course, God. God always shows up. He, he never doesn't show up. But we don't always realize it. We're not always aware that he's there. And the, it really puts the onus on, on me to be aware of the presence of God. So you may have come in this morning and, and you, you're like, oh, you know, what are they doing? They're singing and doing all this stuff. And, and uh, you know, I don't know what this is about. You're in a good place. You're in a good space. I've been there. Uh, no judgment at all. The, the house of God's not a place of judgment. It's not a place where, you know, somebody gets up and points his bony finger and, and starts screaming at you. That's not, that's not certainly me. And it certainly isn't the culture of, uh, of this house. Uh, it's, a, it's a safe space. So I'm here this morning to encourage you as we step into uh, learning more about uh, ways of worship. And I've called this morning's message, The Worth of Worship. The Worth of Worship. And W-O-W uh, -W is wow. And it's a wow because Jesus is a wow. And when you tap into and you're aware of his presence, and you learn to acknowledge him and to uh, respect him. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, uh, 6, it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God because you first have to believe that he exists. And I would say this, that, that uh, without faith, you really don't get much out of church attendance because first you must believe not only that God exists somewhere, but he's present right now in the room. 
It goes on to say in Hebrews 11.6, it says, uh, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not passively, not casually, not, ah, oh, yeah, take it or leave it kind of a thing. But whenever I attend a meeting, a church meeting, whether I'm preaching or not, it's not the issue. I'm always diligently seeking after God, and I'm always like acknowledging him by faith, even though I don't see him, and even though I don't hear him with my natural ears, but I never, ever, ever walk away disappointed from being in the house of God, even if the worship isn't any good. It's good here, uh, but I've been in places where, you know, they got somebody with one guitar, and most of the strings are broken on the guitar, uh, and, and people singing their hearts out in another language, and thinking, wow, I don't even know what they're saying in Vietnam, for instance, or wherever. But the presence of God, I acknowledge that by faith. So I really want to encourage you to push in. As we talk about the worth of God, I'm going to look at a scripture in Hebrews chapter, uh, sorry, in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, the worth of worship. In uh, Hebrews chapter 4, wow. Worship, it's the, the worth that you place on God. Hebrews 4.11, you are worth our Lord and God to receive glory. That word glory actually means weight. There's a weightiness about the glory of God. They used to think that light, uh, you know, it's kind of a particle and a wave, that there, there wasn't anything uh, of any kind of substance to it, but they've since discovered that there is in photons, and weight, and then honor. Honor is the value that you place on a person. So if you don't value somebody, you dishonor them. Uh, how many people have been dishonored in your life? It's, it's good, though, isn't it, when somebody honors you? If you're married, if you don't honor your spouse, it means you don't value them. We value God. God is the ultimate person that we put value on, that he, his glory has a weight to it, and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. The creator is greater than his creation, more valuable. The worth of the creator is greater than all of his creation. The, the worth of God is greater than the planets that he created. The worth of God is greater than the stars and the galaxies and the constellations that he, that he flung into, into being. The, the worth of God is greater than all the gems and gold and precious other precious metals that are in all the planets that God created. The creator is always more worth more than his creation. When we look at creation, I, I marvel. I'm sure that you do too. And I look at it and I go, wow. But often I don't think about wow as the worth of the creator. The worth of worship is in acknowledging God as the creator. The big wow that he's greater than the stars, the seas, the gold. The worship, uh, uh, it's an abandonment of my own agendas into his vast array of his creation and realizing that I'm part of that creation. Worship is the worth that you place also on yourself. Think about that for a moment. And this, this here, I could stop here and we could camp on this. This is a revelation that I believe that you need to get a hold of. Because God sent his only son into the world, and that's God's most valuable 
person himself clothed in flesh because he personally came into the world. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then he went to the cross. What does it say about you? Because he did it for you. So what does that say about the value that you have in God's eyes? Well, I think it speaks about as loud as it could possibly speak that you are worth something to God. He is worth it, but you're worth it too in his eyes. Therefore, when we look at each other, uh, somebody said this once, you, you've never looked at a person yet that isn't incredibly valued by God. I, I have to adjust my eyesight and not look at people anymore as worthless or call them idiots and call them all kinds of names. It's like, no, no, they're not idiots. They're not, they behave like idiots sometimes, but uh, they're valuable by God because he created them. And, and and, and, and your value right now, as you sit here right now, look, you might not have got the hair that you, that you think that you wanted. I never did. My hair was always curly, wavy. Uh, if it got long, it never went straight. Like, you know, I wish it did. Like, cool. I, I just want to look like, you know, Jesus. But instead, I'm a white guy with an afro. Figure that one out. I mean, big. Like, it would just grow. And never do what I wanted it to do. Uh, I never thought that I had, you know, I don't have eyebrows. I'm just confessions of the pastor here. Some of you guys have eyebrows. Can I buy some off of you? Uh, I would purchase some of your, uh, you can have some on my forehead. I always thought, gee, I got a big forehead. My, my son and I always laugh about that. And uh, we had some Arab guys staying with us. And one of them, uh, Knife is his name. They're from Saudi Arabia. He's got monobrow. And his hairline comes almost down to touch his monobrow. And so he and I were joking. I said he, he wishes that he had more forehead and less eyebrows. And so I said to him, well, I'll buy some eyebrows off you, and, and I'll trade you for it. I'll give you some forehead for that to give you a bit more space there. You know, We can make some adjustments here. <laughs> and, uh, and none of us, none of us probably, uh, in fact, all of us probably think there's something about me that I, if I was God, man, if I could redo the whole deal, I would make me a little bit different in some areas. And that's cool. I, I totally get that. But regardless of that, short, tall, uh, white, Asian, black, whatever you are, whatever your forehead is or your eyebrows or lack of eyebrows, you're worth something to God. God loves you. It's just time. Let's just move on from that. The, the wow of worship is that God ha has worth, God has value, but so do you. You've got incredible value. And everything about you says something about you and about the value and how you value yourself and more importantly, how you value God. What you wear, what you speak, who you follow. So you're becoming more like the person or whoever it is that you follow. Think about the people that you follow on social media, for instance. It tells a lot about you. Everything about you says something about you. You probably don't follow the same people that I follow on Instagram. Some of you are, maybe you don't have Instagram as like another version of, of Facebook. 
And uh, so, you know, you, 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 can, you, can, you don't have to use Facebook now if you're over 60. That's just some news. If you're using Facebook, you probably are over 60. Uh, that's been long, long, you know, Facebook. Okay, that'll tell your age. Uh, but on social media, you know, who are you following? So if you're following Kanye, that tells something about you. If you're following Jay-Z, it says something about you. If you're following Adele, it says something about you. If you're following Chris Rock, just don't say anything about somebody's wife because it says something about you. <laughs> Watch yourself. Listen to this scripture here. This is amazing. 2 Kings 17, 15. Listen to this. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors and the statues he had warned them to keep. This next one really got me. They followed worthless idols. Oscars, Grammys, I don't know. They followed worthless idols and themselves <laughs> became worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do, because they worship worthless idols, they became worthless. That's a big question for all of us. How much value do you have? Well, it's in proportion to who you're following. When I made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, it meant, sure, I'm going to follow some people on Instagram or social media or whatever, whatever, but I'll never, ever follow them at the expense of him because he's worth it. Wow. The worth of worship is the worth that you place in the person that you follow and what you're following will determine very much how you value yourself. Do you get that? And so it's very, very important who you follow. I, I, I don't know. Have you ever met a true fanatic? Anybody here a Trekkie? Come on. Anybody here meet a Trekkie? I mean, somebody, I like Star Trek, to be honest with you. You know, I, I I'm a mild Trekkie. I'm not a fanatical Trekkie. But have you ever met like a full-blown Trekkie or, or a, a, a full-blown somebody that's into, you know, something else that's so much so that's all they talk about. That's how they dress. It's, it's just everything about them is saying, man, I'm following what it, whatever that is, Marvel Comics, DC, I don't know, the movies. Uh, if you ever met somebody like that, somebody that's really, really fanatical, they become like what they're following. It's an amazing phenomena. I'd like to think, because I'm following God passionately with all of my heart, that somebody could pick me out of a crowd and say, wow, he sure does like God. He sure is in love with Jesus. I don't know if there's a Jesus or not, but, but that guy, man, like, I, I could pick him out of a crowd as sure as I could pick a Trekkie or somebody that's into Elvis worship, thinking Elvis is still alive. I hate to tell you he's not, but, uh, you know, wow, look at the haircut. Look at the dress. Look at, they, they're, they think they're Elvis. I'd like to think that by following him and becoming like him and the fact that he's in me and he's in you, if you've asked him into your heart, that Christ in you is the hope of glory. I, I would like to think that you're becoming more like him because you're following more of him than you are Elvis or Star Trek or whoever. Worship, the worth that you place on worship 
It's somebody that believes something so passionately. You break away from following others. You follow God. It costs you something, however. Worship, true worship, always costs you something. When they broke away from the world system and following the world, as it said in that scripture that we read, it was going to cost them something. Some of them back then, it cost them their lives. They were, they were martyred for the cause. Every one of the disciples except John died. They were martyred for it. He, he broke rocks on the Isle of Patmos and, and wrote the uh, revelation, those letters, because uh, of Jesus. They, they followed him even to their own detriment. It cost them something. It, it cost them their lives. I wonder what it's costing you right now. I'd like to think there's a cost in worshiping him because he's worth it. He's worth laying down whatever it is in the world that everybody's following. I'd like to think if they're all running to one side of the ship, I'm going to stay on the, on the side of God. Let, them, let the herd stampede wherever they're going to stampede. And every year it's somewhere different. Every year there's a different fad. The mullets come back in. If you're wearing a mullet, it's okay. It's all cool. Uh, it's been done before. I get it. Uh, hard to get anything that's new, but I'd like to think that uh, what, whoever you're following, it's not just a, a fad or a trend. Jesus is never a fad. Jesus should never be a trend. Jesus will cost you something. There's, there's a worth or a value in, in worship. First Chronicles 21, David he needs to uh, see this drought broken, this plague that's hit Israel. In, uh, in verse 18, the angel of the Lord ordered Gad to tell David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David went up in obedience to the word that Gad had spoken in the name of the Lord. And while Aruna was threshing wheat, he turned, he saw an angel. His four sons who were with him hid themselves. And then David approached. And when Aruna looked and saw him, he left the threshing floor, bowed down before David with his face to the ground. And David said to him, Let me have the sight of your threshing floor that I can build an altar to the Lord so that the plague on the people may be stopped. Sell it to me at the full price. Aruna said to David, take it. I mean, the guy's seen angels. Take it. Let my Lord the king do whatever pleases him. Look, I'll give you the ox for the burnt offerings, the threshing sledge for the wood, the wheat for the grain offering. I'll give you all of this. Get what, what 24, what David says here. This is something. But King David, he replied to Aruna, no. I insist on paying full price. I will not take from the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that cost me nothing. Worship is costly. Worship is what are you willing to give up to worship him? What, what is the value of his glory? What is the, the weight of of your worship? What is the honor that you place on him? What, what is the value that you place on him? What are you willing to sacrifice? David said, no, I don't want the cheap way. I see people all the time. It's like cheap, <laughs> tight. You know, I hear all the stuff about church buildings and 
you know, and offerings and tithing. I just think you got it really wrong, really wrong. There's always a value. There's always a sacrifice. Worship, worship always demands sacrifice. And what you give up just tells a lot about you. It really tells you about the value that you place on him and how much you honor him. It's an amazing thing that God set it all up. It's a setup. It's absolutely a setup. It locates all of us. I'll not, I insist on paying the full price. I'll not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. The result of that is that the altar of sacrifice is never crowded. That's amazing, isn't it? Oh, we're having a meeting. You can come and get your healing. There'll be a crowd. We're having a meeting. You can get a personal prophecy to tell you how great you are and tell you where you're going. That's absolutely fantastic. You'll get a crowd. What are we giving up now? What are we handing out now that, that you can take, 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 take? You'll get a crowd. Oh, we're having a meeting where you're going to give up something. You're going to sacrifice something of yourself, of your substance. It's a worship meeting to tell God how much he's worth to you. Never a crowd. The altar is almost empty every time. It's an amazing thing just to see. Even when Jesus walked the earth, he turns water into wine. It gets out. There's a crowd. He heals the blind. A bigger crowd. He raises the dead. Lazarus comes back to life. Even a bigger crowd. Great crowds start to throng him as long as they could get something from him. They were there. His crowds were proportional to his miracles. See, worship is the act of giving. And giving is blessing seed. But people say, oh, worship is a waste. Worship is never a waste. Oh, what a waste! I would imagine in the temple back in Israel's day, which the temple was built, don't forget, it was, a, it was patterned off the heavenly. The heavenly must be amazing. The walls, the city, 2,000 kilometers cubed. That's roughly the size of just the, the, the New Jerusalem. The walls are fantastically huge. I don't know why they need walls. God knows. I don't know. Maybe it's just something about it that we need to look at something like that. There's, there, there's stuff there that I cannot wait to have a look at it. But they built this temple. David had started something, and David couldn't, couldn't do it because he's a man of war. But his son Solomon gets to, gets to build this temple with all the resources that the people had given, and David personally had given. And, and, and this thing is amazing, and it's patterned after heaven. And, and when people would have walked into that temple, it was one of the wonders of the ancient world. I could imagine them going, wow, because worship is worth. But I imagine there were some others. What a waste. Why would you build this? Why does that have to have gold? They could have used something else after all. I was at the gym talking to uh, some of the guys that I work out with that aren't Christians. They're atheists. I'm okay with that. You might be here. You're an atheist. That's cool. I'm glad you're here. We're having a chat, and one of them, you know, when you start to get to know people, they know you're a pastor. It's kind of, I, you know, I don't hide it at all. I'm pretty forthright with it, uh, let alone you know, a Christian. Before I was pastorette, I was a Christian. I'd tell people I'm a believer. What'd you do on the weekend? Went to church. I loved it. 
Oh, what a waste. And then this guy, this particular guy, who's uh, quite prominent with real estate on the coast, and uh, he's, he's going on about the Catholic Church over the years. They built all that stuff, you know, took all that money from all those people. What a terrible waste it is. And, and, and no kidding, it wasn't too far off that conversation that on, on the news, it's lunchtime, we're working out, and they're showing how Notre Dame Cathedral had burned, uh, not down, but the roof and everything had burned off of it. And he's like, oh, that's just terrible. And I'm like, why? Why is that so terrible? You said it should have never been built. You said it was a waste. And, and, and then they announced that some uh, very wealthy people were going to pay to put a roof on us. I said, man, I hope they don't. He goes, what do you mean you hope they do? He says, well, that'd even be a bigger waste because that money could be given to some other more worthy cause than a cathedral. Think if they wouldn't have built the cathedrals in Europe. How many people would even go to Europe? Why would you even bother? People go there. Imagine the, the wealth that, that these things have generated over, you know, thousands of years for, for the cities all over the world. Why would you go and, and visit something if everybody went, oh, it's a waste. We're not going to build anything. We're happy to all live in mud huts and give God a mud hut, except for our, our houses. Worth it. Worth it. Is God worth it? Worship is worth something, and worship is never a waste. It's always an active attitude. I love this woman caught in the act of giving or the act of, uh, of worship. You know, we hear about the woman caught in the act of adultery. Here's a woman named Mary, and she's caught in the act of worship in John 12. I'm just going to go uh, paraphrase it, but six days after Passover, this is the sister of Lazarus. Lazarus was raised from the dead, and uh, if you've read this story, you know what it, it, it like great uh, crowds came just to, just to behold the spectacle of her brother who, who was raised from the dead. And, and there's a dinner in Jesus' honor. And, and, uh, and this, this woman, Mary, takes out a, a pint of pure nard. It's a, it's a perfume, an expensive perfume. She pours it on Jesus' feet, wipes his feet with her hair. Her house was filled with the fragrance. But one of the disciples... And this is the one that speaks up every time. This is the spirit. Judas, what a waste. <laughs> and it says, this money could have been given to the poor. Well, Jesus says, the poor you have with you always. But what this woman did, and this is like six days before Jesus is going to go to the cross. And, and we find out later that this perfume that she poured out, this isn't like Amani or, uh, you know, a million dollar or whatever your favorite cologne is. This, this stuff is worth a whole year's wages. Now, I've had colognes and things, and I buy stuff for my wife, but I've never, ever spent a whole year's wages, even an average wage, I don't know, 50 grand or something on a bottle uh, of cologne. She poured out a whole year's wages of this stuff on Jesus' feet as an act of worth it ship. Wow. And what does it do? She wipes it with her hair and it goes into the ground. Done. Judas gets upset, it says, because he had the money bags. He was the treasurer and he was taking money out for himself. I find that amazing because this woman is caught in the very act of worship. Caught in the act. But I love what it says here. It says here that... Uh, Jesus said, leave her alone. 
It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Poor you have with you always. Verse 9. Meanwhile, a large crowd (laughs) of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came. Not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he'd raised from the dead. God help us when church becomes a spectacle. When church becomes like a spectator sport. When church becomes, what can I get out of the deal? God help us in any, any, any fashion at all when we lose the sense of worth, that he is worth it. He is the reason. He is the wow. He's why. I, you know, I don't just attend church. I, I, don't, I like seeing you guys. Believe me, I come to church. I love meeting people. I, I, I love all of, the, all of that, but I come to meet with God, with God's body, with the rest of us to worship the king because there's value on him. I can't build something grand enough for him. I can't spend enough on him. I just love the fact that God invites me into his world of worship and the people People, uh, uh, as a result of that, they walk in bankrupt and poor and destitute, and they walk out as kings and priests. They walk out with their head up high because they're touched by the value that God places on them. Last week, we talked about worship as warfare, and it is. They took palm branches out. They said, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. I think the 10th, uh, the, the Sunday, the 10th is going to be Palm Sunday. And they, they found a, a donkey and he rode in. And the crowds are celebrating. In verse 17, now the crowd. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb, raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Verse 18, many people, because they had heard that he performed the sign, went out to meet him. Many people, big crowd. Verse 19, the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Don't you love that? A whole crowd. Then verse 24, he says this, he says, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And six days later, the miracles ceased. A mangled son of God hung on a cross. There was no crowd. Not the crowds that they'd experienced before because the closer he got to the cross, the smaller the crowd became. The closer the people come to actually sacrificing something and giving something up, the smaller the crowd. Oh, the crowd's huge when you got something to gain out of the deal. But as soon as you got nothing to gain, as soon as it's all about him, as soon as he is worth it, and I've come there because of worth-ship, because he is worth everything. When, when, when that happens, when we get closer to the cross of Jesus Christ, the crowd gets smaller the cr- closer that you get to the cross. It tells who was there amongst others, but not a great crowd. It never mentions, oh, there's a great multitude pushing in at the cross. Now it says Mary of, from Clophis was there and His mother Mary was there. Mary's quite a popular name, evidently. The soldiers were there because they had to be there. 
There were two criminals, one on either side that were there. But then so was this woman that poured a year's worth of perfume on his feet and wasted what was hers. She was there. Mary Magdalene, whom seven demons were cast out. Mary, whose brother Lazarus was raised from the dead. And what does it tell us? It means that there's gratitude. There's so much gratitude. The closer we come to the cross, the closer I get to the cross, the more gratitude I got. God, you love me this much. You are not only worth it, but you're telling me you're worth it as well. Don't you ever, ever discount how much value that you have for God. There is not a crowd at the cross, but are you going to be there at the cross to say thank you? But where there's no mention of people being there, I think about Blind Bartimaeus, I don't know if he was there or not, but it doesn't say that he was there. He's blind. Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. What do you want? I need my son. You got it. Was he there? I don't know. What about the 10 lepers? They're eaten up with leprosy. Only one of them came back to say thank you after they were healed. Where were they? No mention. I think about the widow at Nain, her son is dead and Jesus comes and, and touches that coffin and the son is raised from the dead and there's no mention of the widow or her son being there at the cross. I don't know. Think about the deaf people, the mute, the dumb. I think about all the people that Jesus healed and there's no mention of any of them at the cross. Just these women with their incredible thankfulness. These, these women who sacrificed to him and they're pushing in at the cross. But everybody else, the crowd, you see, the crowd will comfort you. The crowd will cover you. A lot of people, they get lost in a big crowd. As long as you're in the crowd, you're, you're safe. You're not, you're not singled out. You're not identified. There's no sacrifice. But the closer you get to the cross, the higher the price, because the cross will kill you. You have to give something up. There's no crowd at the cross. There's no crowd at the altar of sacrifice. I can be impatient, and I'll, I'll admit it. I, I don't like a queue anyway. I don't like a, uh, I don't mind a crowd, but as soon as there's a, a line to get into something like Disneyland or something like that, you wait for like an hour and a half for a three-minute ride in the hot sun. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going there. <laughs> Forget that. I don't like the shop. I don't mind the shopping mall. I don't even mind going shopping with Gail, but what I don't like is driving around and around and around to find a car park. And all the men go, yeah, me neither. I don't like it. That's why I send, you know, she can go alone. I don't like a queue. I'm happy that there's no crowd at the cross. I'm happy that you never have to queue up for worship. Oh, we're having a prayer service. Don't worry, there'll be plenty of room for you there'll be plenty of seats. We're having a worship service. Don't worry. Unless there's a celebrity that's going to lead the worship, a big name, you'll get in. There'll be no queue. There's no queue at the cross. There's no crowd at the cross. Sacrifice is what's required at the cross. He paid it. I want to show up and just say, thank you, God. Thank you so much. I'd like for our, our worship team to come up for a moment because we're going to worship God See, the way of worship is the way of the cross. There's no crowd. There's nobody there to convince you. There's just sacrifice. 
It's when your identity is stripped away because the seed can't produce of itself. The kernel has to be stripped away unless that seed goes into the ground and dies. It, it abides alone. And God is inviting all of us into worship to show his love, but we always get a choice. You see, love isn't love as long, unless there's a choice. If my wife was the only woman on the planet and I said to her, Babe, I love you among, uh, above all others. What does that mean? <laughs> really? <laughs> doesn't mean anything. Worship always involves a choice. Or do you think we should go to that worship service? What are they going to do there? Who's leading it? Oh, just Mal and the team. <laughs> Who's preaching? I just, good old pastor, I've heard him 50 million times. Should we go to that worship service? There's always a choice with love. Worship always gives you a choice to choose to show up because he's worth it. If nobody else shows up, if there's no celebrity on the platform, thank God celebrity should never be on a platform. Thank God for the fact that we come here for one reason. I'm just one, one believer, one worshiper, just like you are. I get one role, but it's nothing to do with fame or, or, or celebrity or anything to do with that. I'm the last person that would ever, I would have never picked this. I couldn't even talk to two people without choking up. Seriously. God said, I want you to be a pastor. It's like, I want you to preach. I'm like, God, are you serious? You definitely got the wrong guy. I got the right guy. When the gift of God comes on you, you've got to, you've got, you know from where it came. And the only thing you can do when God's gift is on you is to, just to say, thank you, God. I'm a vessel, and I'm going to keep that in mind, lest I be exalted, unless I lose what I got. Father, I just thank you for choosing me in whatever fashion. My, my job in the church I, I was in before I became Pastor Ed was cleaning the toilets. And I used to clean the toilets, and God taught me a lot in that church bigger auditorium than this. I vacuumed the whole thing. They couldn't afford a cleaner. I did that. I did that as an act of worship to God. See, worship isn't just singing songs. It's your whole attitude in life. It's laying down your life. It's humbling yourself. It's casting everything about you at the altar of sacrifice so that God can raise you up then and he can call you who you really are. And when you acknowledge him, when you step into him, all of a sudden now worship takes on a greater meaning, a greater dimension. And I'm so thankful that God gave us a house where we can collectively worship God together. People can throw their cares upon him. Realize that worship is about love of a person that's way bigger than you. Worship is about casting problems that are bigger than you at a person that is way bigger than you. Some of us just need a God that's bigger than our problems so we can step into worship. But the way of worship is always the cross. I'd like us to stand together. I'm going to pray. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Matt. You can take that. Thank you. We're going to go into a time of worship here.
firstly, if you're watching online, I want to invite you to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. We do this pretty well every meeting because the most important decision that you'll ever make is to make Him the Lord of your life. So you're not buying into a theology or an idea or denomination or something. It's a heartfelt prayer just to say, man, God, I give you my life. It's just that simple. Because you were bought with a price. Your life is not your own. God, God created you. You're His idea. Regardless of what you think, you're His idea. And you'll never know what it's like to live and to love until you give your life to Him your creator until you put the proper weight upon his glory that he be glorified and put the value the honor on him because he's worth it all so if you'd like to I'd like to lead you in a prayer and all I ask is that just repeat after me this is not a formula often the prayer goes similar every week but it doesn't matter it's really what you do with it that matters so I'd like to invite you, if you're, if you're in a position where you can close your eyes and just get intimate with God, if you're here right now, if you want to do that, the proof that you've prayed this prayer and meant it is that you'll continue to worship and, to, and continue to uh, see value upon Him and continue to push in to God's presence and following Him. So pray this after me. Say, Dear God, I thank You for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. If you've joined us online or YouTube, uh, we just want to thank you and God bless you. And uh, make sure you subscribe and share this message because I believe it can help uh, more people than just you. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.